Hi, and welcome back to Be Our Jesus. This is Denise and Rob. I'm having a brew dog. It's called Ghost Walker. I don't know how much of it I'll get through because my stomach's been upset today. And since the Cleveland Browns surprised the world and beat San Francisco 49ers today, I'm drinking my favorite Cleveland beer. From Fathead Brewery. It is Hot Juju. It's an Imperial IPA and it comes in at 9%. So it's probably one of my favorite beers. It I consistently rate it a 4.5. It, it's delicious. So we're uh, continuing with the book of James. We're up to James 4. There's only one more. I thought we were on three. No, yeah. we're on four. Yeah, we did three last week. We have one more chapter after this week, and we've gotten to the book of James. So, might as well just start reading. And I'll read the first. I'll read one through twelve, and then we'll kind of break them down and then finish it off. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires? That battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means an en ah, enmity? I guess that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Against God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he is jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges, judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it. But sitting in judgment on it, there is only one law giver <coughs> and judge. The one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? A whole lot to unpack there. All of that brought back to life what's going on in today's world. Um. Just everything that's going on. Everybody is in a fight with everybody else. For every reason. From money to color of skin. From political view. From jobs. I just want to take it all the way back to the Old Testament. To Exodus 20. Verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant. 
his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So I figured James was talking about coveting a lot. And you know, it's right there in the Ten Commandments. You sh should not covet. And this does mean more than just your next door neighbor. Like our next door neighbors like to eat healthy and do fitness stuff. So there's nothing to covet there for us. <laughs> I showed off my body once. It was I just had my six but pack of beer. Neighbor in this aspect does not mean the person that you live next to, and that's it. I just think we all desire to have nice things, you know, a better life. But to covet other people's stuff, I mean, that could lead to bitterness and jealousy. Lead and, to violence when you try to take it. And, you know, like the, like I read earlier in the Ten Commandments, coveting was forbidden in the Ten Commandments. And we should con be content with what we got. And, and the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 4... Verses 10 through, 10 through 13. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I mean, that's one thing I've learned is to be content with what I have, you know. I don't care what other people got, you know. I take care of the things I have, you know. I work hard for my things, but I don't worry about what other people have. It's weird when you were reading that. It, the thing that came back to me was Psalm 23, David saying, I shall not want. So what was the difference? Other than David, and what I get, I mean, David messed up a lot, but he really wanted the heart of God. I mean, where do you get, how do you get to a place where you shall not want? And I, I mean, I don't even think it means earthly things. No, it's, I don't know. I think it might be an attitude where you're thinking like, I don't care if I have this or not, or, you know, just using an object or something. I don't care if I have it or not, or just being carefree. And, and even if today, I mean, a lot of us want what God wants. I mean, nobody wants anyone sick or, I don't, I don't know how to, I could probably say it in tongues, but I can't say it. <laughs> but you know, as we move on from that, it says, what are you asking for? What, you know, you know how are you, I, I thought, you know, what you're, you didn't get because you had the wrong motives and I, my notes to myself was, <clears throat> How are you praying? Is what you are asking in line with what God desires for you? I mean, and I think it takes us back to, uh, I had to go to what Jesus said, because like I was saying earlier, I like to 
tie this stuff in Jesus, and it kind of led me to Matthew 7, 7 through 12. And Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For, for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, which of you if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or, if he asks for fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law of the prophets. See, for me, when I read that, that's telling me God desires to give give you what you ask for. And, you know, God is going to give you what you're, what's best for you. Is what, what you're asking for, uh, giving, what you're asking, is it to build up the kingdom? I mean, sure you can ask for, well we got dogs wrestling here. You know, sure you can ask for a new car or lots of money, or you may just get, you may just get it if it's God's will, but don't let possessions interfere with your relationship with God. And and okay. Rufus is wrestling with uh, Nikki because he don't want to settle down. So they're out of uh, the studio. But it brings me to another point, and I... I it didn't even dawn on me this till I had a uh I was doing a devotion the other morning um from Kelly K Ministries and it says so happened he was doing James four and I said that well that works out just perfect. What's he have to say about it? And it the story he uh talked about to use was in Luke chapter eight that God will give you anything you're asked when we go to the, uh, Luke chapter 8 to the, when Jesus sent the demons into the herd of pigs. You know, the, uh, Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion. He replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed into the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. And see, even the demons asked Jesus for what they wanted, and he gave it to them. I mean, it was sent to some pigs, but, and they ended up dying anyways, but still, ask. It doesn't hurt to ask God. But, it reminds me. But of... don't be, you know, I think it's just seeming like you have, don't be... Oh, I need to win the lottery, you know. Come on now. It just, it's got to be in line. Like today, I prayed about the Cleveland Browns. I didn't want them to get embarrassed. That's what I prayed for. And by God, they won. I mean, it was in line. That's what God desired was the Browns to win today. You find football in the Bible. Go ahead. Okay, there's, I'll wait. They were talking about running a race in there. What were you saying? 
I don't know. It don't matter. <laughs> so we go, we're going to move on now to verses 4 through 6. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he is justly long for the Spirit? He has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Hmm. What you got? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, being a friend to the world can interfere with your relationship with God. I mean, so many things can be easily put in front of God. You know, following all the trends that are going on. You know, listening to artists that are demonically influenced. Watching inappropriate things. Or just being focused so much on making money that, you know, you lose track of the real prize, and that's Jesus. Because all that stuff can become idols. And, But thankfully, we have a jealous God, and He desires you, and He gives out grace freely, even when you fall short. Nothing to add. Okay. So we'll go on to verses 7 through 10. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. This little section, it, it hit home with me because... The more I submitted to God, the less oppression I was hit with. And I think it's because I humbled myself. And, you know, as men, we can be very prideful and proud. But, you know, when you say, God, I'm a sinner. I have fallen short. I need you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And that Jesus died for me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and guide me. Then live for God and not of this world. You know, I really don't care what goes on. You know, I pay attention, but I'm more focused on my relationship with God and how it changes me. And, you know, it can change you. My stomach's turning again. So... We'll go to verses 11 through 12. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you, when you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? And it, to me, uh, just don't judge Pete, other people. I mean, it's hard. Jesus was very clear about it. And we'll go back to Matthew 7. And pulled out my bookmark. Go to Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Jesus said, Do not judge or you will be judged. 
For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of the sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. You know, if you judge someone for what they're doing, but don't look in the mirror at what sin you are committing, you're just a hypocrite. And we're all sinners, so it's, you shouldn't be condemning someone for what they do. You should be lifting them up and loving them. I, I kind of have a different, I don't know, they're, when you judge someone, I'm trying to think of an example without calling someone out. If, let's say someone's married and you know the spouse is cheating on them, but they decide to stay with that spouse and work things through, but you're judgmental, you know, if. He or she would have cheated on me. I'd have been done. That's it. But you judge their relationship. And then 10 years down the road, you find yourself in the same exact situation. I think that's, you know, judge not, at least you be judged. Because then whatever situation you're judging, you very well could be in the same circumstances. Years to come and... Now you're eating the words that you said 10 years ago. We even got an example in John 8 of this. And it's John 8, 1 through 11. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him and sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and Pharisees brought in, in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away at one time, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. You know, I picture Jesus writing in the sand different sins that he knew each of those men were guilty of. And as soon as they seen something that he wrote that they knew they were guilty of, they just turned around and walked away. Could be. It doesn't say what he was writing. No. No, it doesn't. But he's all-knowing. So he's like looking at this one. Okay, I know what you did. And write that in the sand. And he's like, all right, got to turn around because he already knows that I did that. <laughs> and it goes right along with the judge in here. If, if, if you are without sin, then cast the first stone. 
And thing is, none of us are without sin and no have no reason to judge. And that can be very difficult. But see, with Jesus, there's no condemnation. He loves us and gives us grace. I do get confused where it says, do not judge, but then... He also says you can judge people by the fruit that they bear. So it's, it, it's kind of, okay, do we judge? Do we not judge? Maybe don't be judgmental, but judge enough to have discernment as to who to be around. Or to help correct their actions and turn them from that. Use it as a corrective Measure. Because if you hang out with somebody who's constantly in and out of jail, eventually, even if you're innocent, you're going down with them. I mean, you're in a car and somebody robs a bank, guess what? (laughs) You go too. Yep. Well, both we got verses 13 through 17 left. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what you will have, excuse me, why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Our lives are short. And we need to include God in all we do. I know for most of my life, I I didn't give a second thought on including God in anything, you know. But now, like before a fishing trip, I pray for a successful, safe trip. That doesn't mean I'm going to catch a full limit of crappie every time I go out. I just want to catch fish, come back home safe, and just have a good time. That, to me, is a successful trip. Before I worked on my Jeep last week, I asked for patience and the skills to do it. And everything went smoothly. We can't do things on our own. We need God. And when we brag on what we have done without the acknowledging God or our Savior, that's just wrong. There's a lot of times something goes good. I go, thank you, Jesus. It's as simple as that, just saying, thank you, Jesus. You know, and same as when we know what we should, we shouldn't do something. And we do it anyways, that's a sin. You know, he went on about that. And in Romans 7, 14 through 25, it talks more about this. It says, we know the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. For what I, for what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, this is a tongue twister. I agree the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature. 
For I desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. So, I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I, myself, and my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature is slave to the law of sin. I mean, it's hard. I mean, you, you, it's a battle against your flesh and stuff and desires that you know you shouldn't do and you do it anyways or I'm scrolling through something and something pops up and you're like, nope, I don't. You don't want to look at it, but it pops up, you know, and it's like that kind of stuff. Or just being, robbing a bank. You know you shouldn't do it, but you did it anyways. But, but thanks to Jesus Christ who delivers us from sin. That's all I have to say about that. Because it does, you, the more you build your relationship with Christ, you really desire things of Christ, to be more like Jesus, to not want to look at things or do wrong things. I mean, we talked about it during the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit kind of convicts you when you do something wrong. Like, ah, so. You got a thing to add? You got your shed talk ready? Kind of. I was in prayer the other day, like everybody else, over everything going on in the Middle East. And in my prayer, I was just kind of confused because the Jews are God's chosen people, just like we are now, basically adopted into the family. And it's like you're all these things that are happening to these people, and they're God's chosen people. It's like, where's that leave us? You know, you, you love them. I mean, like they're, they're your heart. They're your people. And look what's happening to them. What, what's going to happen to us? And in prayer, God, he, he, I mean, heard him loud and clear. His answer is in the Bible. And it's like, what do you mean the answer is in the Bible? To solve all this, the answer is in the Bible. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, a list of scriptures. Um, Romans 13.10 Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. 1 Corinthians 16.14 Let all you do be done in love. First uh, John 4.16 So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in them. Um, 
Colossians 3.14 Above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Proverbs 10.12 Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Ephesians 4.2 With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And last... Romans thirteen eight, owe no one nothing except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So, what God was telling me in my prayer is I need to pray that love is just poured out. Hate is what caused all this. And, I mean, the world's looking for the person to blame. Who did this first? Who done that? Who's? It doesn't even matter. It was done. Lives were taken. And we need to be in prayer for love to pour out. Because that's the only out. That's the only way out. That whole region, though, <clears throat> it is. I've been over there a couple times, not to Israel per se, but the Middle East, and it's just like, it's constant tension over there. I mean, I don't... I believe the tension is the two sons that Abraham had. It's the two, Hagar's son and Sarah's son, and they are to be in conflict. Maybe the Muslims need to drop the Koran. But there's nothing wrong. I've read the Quran. And start reading the New Testament. I mean, it's... Add it to it. it, The Quran itself, they do not... It's not a hatred book. I mean, you can interpret it just like I can take the Bible and interpret it to be hatred towards people. I mean, I met a lot of nice Muslims. But they need... Quran talks has a lot about Jesus in there. It does. They maybe need to take take him on more, and the Jews need to read the New Testament. Add but it to I, their... I know some very devout Muslims, and they're very good people, and and they're more faithful in their prayer than I've seen any Christian. I I don't know. Now Islamic, I I don't think that's a god. Anything that's going to hurt someone. I don't quite understand it. Nah, they just want their 72 virgins. But, you, like I said, you can take the Holy Bible and you can twist it and you can become... I mean, look, David Koresh, uh, Jim You can always twist the verse into a meaning of how you want to interpret it or, you know, use it for your, with your whatever cause you are having misinterpret something or... Bottom line, love people, even the ones that are hard to love, and that's what I'm trying to work out. There's a lot of people I really want to write off, like, okay, God, I know you died for them, but you got to send somebody else to pray for them. I can't do it. <laughs> okay. I'm about to pray this out. Yeah. Uh, the prayer I got tonight was written by a Beth Robertson, or Robinson, sorry. 
Heavenly Father, please help me turn my anger over to you. Help me to treat others with kindness rather than lashing out in anger and quarrel. I want to turn my heart to you and ask you for what I need. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We're going to conclude with James chapter 5 next week. Amen. Then you have completed a whole book, or a whole chapter, whole book in the Bible. Maybe we'll do something fun for Halloween, or Halloween. Oh yeah, so. I'm excited about that. That's going to be fun. Spooky. So, till next week, talk to you soon. Bye for now.